There's a question that I asked and I struggled with for a good deal of my life. And the question is, what am I doing when I'm praying? What's the point? As a child, I'd play these magical games that if there really was a God, I would pray that a stone or this lid right here would magically move and I would stare at it and put all my powers on it and nothing would happen. As I grew older, I heard other people's explanations of prayer from that it was wishful and magical thinking, which is exactly what I did as a child, to being a thing which people did to disconnect from the world, almost as a spa vacation from reality. But all of these answers, they never satisfied me. I had a hard time believing that coming from such a rich and deeply intellectual tradition, that we would have such a major and nonsensical oversight. And this is not a new question to be asked especially among Jews. Going back to the rabbis of the Mishnah before the year 200 CE, you find them having detailed discussions about prayer. When a person should pray, how they should determine the time, who should be the one who determines the time, how a person should stand, where their focus should be, and what if in the middle of the Amidah, which we just did, you have a snake crawling up your leg. Seriously, there is a section in the Mishnah that talks about if you hypothetically have a snake going up your leg during the Amidah, if it happens to you, just Google Amidah leg snake and you will get a very detailed answer of what to do and what not to do. But the discussion, it does not fundamentally address the what and the why of prayer. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, one of the great mystical Jewish thinkers of the 20th century, attacks this question head-on. And it was only when I discovered Heschel that I found a voice that resonated with me. Heschel, he begins by identifying the fundamental human challenge with prayer. It's not that we refuse to pray, but rather that we abstain from it. Because if instead of focusing on how we are a part of the everything, as humans, we have a tendency to be selfish in being absorbed solely with ourselves instead of absorbing the stillness and the wonder that surrounds us. Think about tonight. You drive around the synagogue looking for parking, getting so frustrated that you can't find that parking. Instead of focusing on the fact that you're alive, you're breathing, you're healthy enough to get here. And we live in a time where you have the freedom to go to the synagogue. Heschel, he writes that rather than taking in the stillness that surrounds us in this world, is that it is revealed in the secret stillness that precedes our birth and follows our death. We focus only on ourselves. If you've ever been in a room when a baby has been born, or sat with a person as they've exhaled their last breath. You walk out of the rooms utterly changed. You view the world with a set of eyes that can see the people walking down the streets and the cars traveling on the roads, but your vision has been altered. Now you see that you as an individual came from dust, 
and re will return to dust. And that it's miraculous that you are alive to experience this world. That is what it means to stand on the edge of mystery and to be cognizant of it. For Heschel, the point of prayer is to regain that sense of the mystery that animates all beings. Prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living, he writes. While many of us have been caught up in the hustle and the bustle of this week we just had, prayer is there to assist us in opening our eyes to see the divinity in the world all around us. When you read the prayers, you will see that they are not merely about only radical amazement, like we saw in the Marif, and transcendence, but they also extend to aspiration. Prayer is an exercise in aspiring to the utmost, because without aspiring, we will shrink to inferiority. Heschel writes, we do not step out of the world when we pray, we merely see the world in a different setting. One of the great challenges of the human condition is being acclimatized to the world and accepting the world as it is versus how it ought to be. Prayer teaches us what to aspire for. When we read that the international nuclear, Wep the international nuclear inspectors reported just yesterday, this week, that Iran has begun installing a new generation of equipment that should give it the ability to produce nuclear fuel even faster, what's the Jewish reaction? We come to the synagogue, we open our prayer books, and we read the words of Isaiah, hoping that they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Now some would look at us and they would call us delusional. I would call us aspirational. Prayer is not meant to be a substitute for action, but rather what Heschel refers to as a beam thrown from a flashlight before us into the darkness. It is in this light that we grope, we stumble, we climb and discover where we stand, what surrounds us and reveals the hampering and the false. It's in the radiance of the light that we're able to behold the worth of our efforts, the range of our hopes, and the meaning of our deeds. Now, we cannot discuss prayer without addressing Kavanaugh, our intention while we pray. There's a medieval saying that prayer without Kavanaugh is like a body without a soul. The question we must ask is, what is the nature of Kavanaugh? Kavanaugh is not just paying attention to the text, or even thinking for that matter. According to Heschel, prayer is not thinking. To the thinker, God is an object. To the woman who prays, God is the subject. Prayer is not about praying to something that is distant from us. Prayer is a guide to the transcendent that I am a part of the everything. Since we are a part of the everything, to pray is to pour out everything inside of us, our perception, 
our volitions, our memory, our thoughts, our fears, our hopes, our feelings, our dreams. All that is moving in us, and you do all of that in one tone. The essence of prayer is moving past our individual self and personal concerns and becoming aware of the infinite. Since not everyone is able to express what is hidden in our own heart, we use these fixed texts and prayer books to act as our bridge to unlock our hearts. Heschel, he writes, Words are like mountain peaks pointing to the unfathomable. Ascending their trails, we arrive at prayer. The final question that this leaves us with is if all prayer is simply to access our hearts, to open our eyes, to set our aspirations, why do we use a prayer book? What's the point of an institution of regular prayer? Rabbi Heschel, he shares a story about a watchkeeper. And as an aside, our own Rabbi Pierce, at his ordination, spoke after Rabbi Heschel. Kind of a tough act to follow. And right before Rabbi Pierce spoke, this is the story that Rabbi Heschel shared. And Rabbi Heschel shares this story from Rabbi Israel Friedman. There was a small Jewish town, far off the main road of the land, and it had all of the necessary municipal institutions. It had a bathhouse and a cemetery, a hospital and a law court, and it had all the craftsmen. It had tailors and shoemakers and carpenters and masons, except there was one trade that was lacking. There was no watchmaker. And in the course of the years, the clocks in the town, they became so annoyingly inaccurate that their owners just decided to let them run down and to ignore them altogether. Now, there were others in the town who maintained that as long as the clocks ran, they should not be abandoned. So they wound their clocks day after day, though they knew they were not accurate, even though they were running. Now, one day came, and the news spread all over the town that a watchmaker had arrived. Everyone in the town, they rushed to the watchmaker. They had their clocks. But the only watches that he could repair were those that had been kept running. The abandoned clocks had become too rusty. They were stuck. We come from a great tradition that has been winding clocks for thousands of years. Now, some do not know what this tradition is about, why we pray, and what the point is. Now, there are others whose family never wound their watch and did not pass it on to them. And the tradition has become rusty and stuck. And those family members no longer have access to the rich tradition of the past. And there are others who did not understand the power of our tradition until they wound their watch again. And they sat shiva. And for the first time, they felt the presence of the infinite in the embrace of their friends and family. Each of us are challenged in our lifetime to ask the why and the what when it comes to prayer. Tonight, I shared with you my journey. 
For many decades, I wound my watch even though it did not keep time for me. But as I studied more and I delved into our tradition, it has led me to awe. My challenge for all of us is to keep asking those questions, the what and the why, so that instead of just standing on the edge of mystery and looking the other way, we use prayer to answer our ultimate question. Can you hear us so?